Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast where we talk about, well, horror movies, you know that. This is a slightly new look episode where and this week I'm joined by my um, one of my rolling co-hosts. This week it's Jade. Hello. Hello to you too. Um, yeah, so this episode we're going to be talking about St. Maud. Me and Jade talked to Matthew. It was a good episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, let's just get straight into it. You know about all the social media stuff anyway, so let's rock and roll. Um, And the only thing that you need to know going into this episode is if you forget to record an intro with your co-host, you can always take clips from the show itself. Yeah, Cumberland (laughs) Sausage. Welcome to another episode of Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast where each week I talk about horror movies, either by myself with one of my rolling co-hosts, or we talk to a grip, uh, uh, or we talk to a guest about their history of the horror movies and a movie of their choice. Today on the podcast, I've got Jade or Fushui as my Hi. my co-host. Hello. Hello. Oh, you didn't even let me stop being rude then. <laughs> um, and guesting coming back as a as a re-guest is Matthew uh who we talked to originally about ghost stories and uh, well you might as well just butt in as well eh well it's, <laughs> he, he wasn't dead this whole time turns out he came back oh oh scary <laughs> stuff Jason oh Liz. yeah yes I, I was I was never dead oh you weren't dead one of us was never dead well I've got the return it's, it's my sequel isn't it this one this is the vastly inferior sequel most likely <laughs> I'm also not dead. Uh, are you sure? I think so, yeah. Uh, at the end of the episode, we find out we're all dead the whole time. <laughs> oh, that would be good. That would be a twist, wouldn't it? So the first thing to note uh, is if you're new here, that was a completely different intro to usual. And if you're old here, then that was a completely different intro to usual. So similar advice. And obviously, hilariously, a horror movie podcast does cover horror movies which is a delight. So, um, uh, a bit of small talk, I think. Let's, let's do a bit of small <laughs> talk. Let's, let's, let's try a bit of small talk before I, while I find the questions. So how's, how's it the weather? Uh, it's been annoyingly hot today. Yeah, same. I'm not a sunshine person. Sunshine is okay when you're on holiday and you've got a beer that's free. Well, it's not free, is it? pay for the old all-inclusive but uh um thing is, i live in like hoodies and jumpers which you can't really wear when it's hot oh you can you just be uncomfortable <laughs> yeah that's my problem <laughs> aha i found the questions so um Anything to say about the sun, Matthew, or are we... Well, I, I didn't realise you got it in Yorkshire, to be honest. I thought it was, uh, okay. it was the rest of the country that enjoyed that. <laughs> That's uh, not a very nice thing to say. <laughs> well, you've made, me, uh, you've made me watch another film set in Yorkshire, so I'm, I'm, 
I'm taking it back as far as I can. I feel that you chose the first one set in Yorkshire, so this is just, <laughs> you know. And if you can realise at the time, if you can find a decent Lancashire horror film, then uh, there there are several several terrible films all about the Pendle Witches. All right, well, <laughs> but oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to you. No, no, let's 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 come back, bring it back. The, the uh, I think the biggest one was probably the new Hellboy film. So I mean, that's well, that's and that's one of the better ones. That's got a bit of Lancashire in it, has it? Yeah, it's set on the on Pendle Hill. I could see the hill itself where uh, the house where I grew up. Wow, hell by itself. The uh, the monsters around there are much worse than anything they cooked up in the uh, CGI for that film. Yeah, <laughs> I can't think of any Yorkshire monsters. I don't think we've got any Yorkshire Bigfoot or Jeff Boycott. I suppose. Does he? There's no. There's no Cumbrian monsters. No, Cumbria's sa- lovely. They have sausages, though, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sausages. No swir- is that the swirly sausage, the Cumbrian? Yeah, Cumbrian sausage. It's swirly. Quite, it's quite monstrous, then, isn't it? <laughs> Some, something I of the suppose, Loch Ness yeah. about it. Something of the Loch Ness about it. Uh, look at that. That was the small talk portion. <laughs> Excellent. Just before we started this, I said to these guys, let's keep, try and keep it light and breezy. And I really think we did that. But of course, bringing it up means it's no longer light and breezy. <clears throat> Forced... yeah, that, was the, that was the banter section. <laughs> no more banter. One thing I love is forced banter. <laughs> um, so, like I said, Matthew's been on before, but he did this when I was I had limited questions. So we're going to do a little bit of an interview, interview horror history part with uh, Matthew and ask him the questions that weren't answered last time. Now, what I was going to do is go back over his episode and just rehash the question, the answers before, but I didn't. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I probably remember them if you, uh, if you really want. No, I'm not. Let's, no one cares that much. About let's me. keep going. I think, to be quite honest with you, you know, you're two of the 20 people that listen to this. So <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> The best two. I, I I really I really can't distinguish between people. It's un, unfair. You you're all a delight to me. Well, no, some of you are assholes. Uh, no, you're all a delight. Ah, cancelled. <laughs> right. So I think that we didn't ask what was the scariest horror movie. Yeah, this. To be honest, this is the one that I struggled with most because. Oh yeah, I mean what. There's, there's kind of like two scares, isn't there? There's like the fun, spooky, spooky scare. She's kind of fun. And then there's those horrible existential scares that like often don't come from horror films. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> things like, uh, sorry to bother you. But it's like, yeah, you know what? I can see Amazon one day turning people into horses because it's more efficient. Uh, you know, that, that's, <laughs> that's that weird, horrible, the world's going to shit sort of terror. Mm, yeah. Uh, but the sort of fun, uh, sort of those fun scares. To be honest, I think we might actually get to it later in the episode. Oh, because I think the uh, the one moment that that we will get to that caught me very off guard, I think might come up. So 
I think I'll, I'll leave that one there for now. I reckon. So the movie that we're going to talk about is that what is that? It, yeah. You've, you've I think it. I know what moment you're thinking. About. I think everyone who's seen this film knows the moment I'm talking about here. <laughs> well, in, in that cinema, I, I think the cleaning staff got paid overtime uh, with the <laughs> that they had to uh, tidy up after that. Well, spoilers ahead. There's there's a good reason that we're doing this film on this episode, um, and that's I say spoilers ahead. The the episode title will be Saint Maud. So, yeah, no, actually, let's just keep moving. Um, right, so did, we didn't do Best Kill, right? We didn't do Best Kill, no. And this one, I think, was probably the easiest one, actually, because like, there's, been some, there's been some very good kills that have been mentioned on the previous episodes. But mm. I, to my mind, there's only one film where the entirety of the film is set up for a kill, and it's the only kill in the film, and it's The Wicker Man. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Chuck a weird virgin cop into a big pagan wicker man and mm. set the fucker on fire. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a classic for a reason. Yeah, yeah. That, that classic Nicolas Cage movie, yeah? <laughs> the bees. <laughs> Not the bees! No, you're right. Um, that is a good movie. I think somebody wanted to do that on, on, on here and sort of got around to deciding that it wouldn't be very interesting as a plot rundown you know because it is a sort of sort of a general tension builder as a movie goes but it's uh like, it's vibes isn't it rather than yeah story very yeah. difficult to um you know and so musical oh yeah i think keeps people on the by surprise yeah what a treat so what else did we Standout effects we wouldn't have done. We didn't do that, no. And I'm, I'm not going to say one of the two. I, I refuse to do it. <laughs> Everyone has said the thing and American Werewolf in London. Okay. But the one that I'm going to go for is because I had strong visceral reactions to it when I saw it in the cinema was uh, 2013's Evil Dead. Yeah. See, I, I haven't seen the 2013 version. Oh, you're missing a treat. <laughs> But it, they, I've heard it's really gory, and I struggle with really gory films. Uh, I would say, it, I mean, it definitely is. There's a lot of fake blood, but the 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 worst bits are uh, very sort of close body parts. You know, uh, there's like a bit where like a knife cuts through a leg, and oh, yeah, I, I just I felt it as it happened, and it is. Oh, it's it's horrible. And I can feel it now, just you saying it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's so visceral, and I just remember squirming and feeling really uh, icky while it was all happening. And, and it, yeah, so great. It's and just surprisingly good film as well because these things don't tend to go that well, do they? When they they remake a classic. No, that's true. Yeah, I'm. I think. I think the, the part they got away with saying that perhaps it wasn't a remake so much as it was a sort of side quarrel or whatever. Maybe it was a remake, but as remakes go, it probably stands maybe head and shoulders as one of the better ones. I think I probably yeah, definitely. I think I probably have the fly as being the best remake, but uh, Evil Dead certainly worth it. And have you seen the original Evil Dead, Jade? I can't remember if you said you had I have, or hadn't. Yeah, yeah. 
it's one of the first ones I saw. Yeah, I thought I, I thought that you said that. Uh, I think you'd be fine with this. It's it, it is gory, but as I was saying to um, oh your sister, in fact, it's it's over the top gore. It's um, you know it's the kind of gore I think that that you sort of go, eh, that's all right. That'll never happen to me. <laughs> you hope. Yeah. Oh, you hope, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we we'll get to that as well. So let's see. Movies that need a sequel or movies that need to stop making a sequel. Right. So give me 15 malignant films. <laughs> I just keep making them forever because that's the most fun like ever. It's <laughs> I had a whale of a time. Did you? Uh, that film. Yeah, absolutely loved it. It was insane, stupid, not very good, but in the best possible way. And yeah. I will have hundreds of them. <laughs> yeah, but it already did it. <laughs> Do it. I mean, have have the face come out of different parts of the body. You know, I'll have a murderous ass just take people to town. I'm I'm happy with that. Go for it. <laughs> A murderous ass. Oh, yeah, I will. Uh, I will take sequels for that as long as they uh, they want to make them. <laughs> have you got any that you wouldn't have a sequel for? Well, the, the one that I, I would have thought they did stop making sequels for it, and then tried it again last year with Spiral, and uh, okay. I hated Spiral. It was really bad. So yes, don't don't make more Saw films, please. Especially uh, not with Chris Rock. It's funny, you know, because I don't like Saw films, as most people know, but I didn't mind Spiral. So. <laughs> um, I didn't I think... watch Spiral. I think I stopped watching after a certain point because I was like, you need to stop now. I just found it, uh, yeah, I found it very predictable. It's like every beat of the film was just like, yeah, obviously that was what it was, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I did, I, you know, I, I liked the uh, sort of the, you know, the, the, the police uh you know, the, the poor policeman aspect of it, which I thought was mm. quite good. But at the same time, I think it was a good idea and it wasn't really executed to its its best potential. No, and, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's in there calling people motherfuckers or whatever it is that he does. Um, I say whatever it is. I it mean, that, that basically gets a star all by itself, doesn't it? So if... <laughs> yeah, one, a one star. Two. I think probably to be fair. <laughs> it depends on how what your star rating is. Um, that's interesting as well. Uh, a little bit of sizzle for later. I've changed the rating system. Oh, oh there's not just one thing and one thing anymore. No, there's three things. That's exciting. A little bit of sizzle for later. <laughs> I, I haven't prepared for this. I'm nervous. I've just looked up. There are actually nine Saw films. I did not realize there were nine of them. Nine? There's nine. I that's think most people would probably say that's about eight too many, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. I did a bit of a, a deep dive into Saw not that long ago. Well, I didn't watch them all, but I was like, you know, there's so many YouTube videos out there where it's like an hour long of someone going, going, this is the history of Jigsaw. And I'm like, all right, then let's watch it. And then I watched it and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, maybe those are good films. And um, I don't know. I might go back into it if I find like a box set or something for, for cheap. I might watch them again, but I think that I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do love the films up to a certain point, and then I just, I did get bored. I think it was after the fifth or sixth one. I was like, okay, 
Yeah, no more of this, thank you. No more now. <laughs> right, so is that it? Did we we had worst horror movie, didn't we? Um, uh, no, we didn't have worst horror. Oh, movie. didn't we? Oh well, let's go then. Worst horror movie. Well, I I think I, I kind of cheated a bit on this one because uh, I, I'm pretty good at seeing the good in films and and even if it's something really bad, it's like I kind of want to cut the maker some slack because I'm sure they're trying. Uh, so I've just gone for something that I was very disappointed by given what I'd seen and heard about it. Yeah. Uh, so I've said it comes at night. All right, yeah. yeah. I, I'm fully willing to admit that I'm wrong about it and I do need to watch it again. But I just remember seeing it and just did absolutely nothing for me. Mm, yeah. I... um. Yeah, I, I guess I don't agree that it's the worst movie. I and quite I think, liked it. And you've obviously, yeah, and you've obviously, you know, you've chosen that just because it wasn't... But. Yeah, I think, you know, worst movie it certainly isn't, but worst experience, I would say, probably was for me. But I think I remember watching it and either I turned it off or and I certainly remember watching it going, what comes at night? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not even sure that I got to it. I don't, I'm not even quite sure now what actually came at night. I don't think I could tell you either. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think <laughs> I sort of, yeah, the whole point was that I don't think there ever was anything also, which, you know, maybe I just wasn't in the mood. For I think that it's meant to be a lot of, there's like, it's meant to be a lot of like paranoia, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a very specific tone, which I guess I, I felt they missed. But like I say, you know, so many people have said it's, it's really good. So I'm, I'm I'm willing to take a loss on that if uh, if people disagree. I agree with you. It it, it comes as shite. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, that is it, though, isn't it? With that, that was all the questions that you didn't get to answer. Is that right? Or, or... Uh, yeah, they they are the uh, the the bunch of the new breed. Sweet, excellent. That is right. goblins too. Sorry, gremlins too. Sorry, goblins. Uh... Goblins too. <laughs> goblins too. The new batch. <laughs> um, I like Gremlins too. We're gonna to have to do that on here. Is that a horror film? Can I have that? Well, it's got Paul Corgan in, so it's pretty terrific. Mind you, That's to be not a horror film. To be honest with you, um, I just recorded an episode on my own. Oh, actually, it'll have been out because <laughs> I'm going to do that next after before this one. So I just recorded an episode on uh, my five favorite fan footage movies. Um, but I was going to do Team Wolf. I started <laughs> started writing it. <laughs> Well, I, I like Team Wolf, and I thought to myself, it's got a werewolf in it. So, um, you know, but I asked a couple of... Yeah, but my... then by that logic, you could say that Twilight is a horror film. No. <laughs> it's got a werewolf in it. <laughs> and a vampire. <laughs> yeah, but I'm it's... just racking my brains for werewolves in films now. It's my <laughs> podcast, so if I don't want to do Twilight, I won't. But... <laughs> To be quite honest with you, I've got nothing against the Twilight films. I've seen them all. I binged watched them. In fact, um, I don't really, I don't really like the first one. I don't really like any of them. But the la- the last one's ridiculous. Spoilers for the last Twilight, but there's this massive battle, and then it's a dream. What is it? One of those moments where you wake up and it was all a dream. No, there's like because one of the vampires, because all the vampires get powers. One of the vampires can show other vampires visions or they have visions. 
So she shows the one vampire, shows like the lead vampire, the head vampire, that if they go ahead with the battle, it's going to not go their way. But obviously don't find that out until the end. So it's like the pointlessness of having a huge battle and then it be nothing. <laughs> quite frustrating. That sounds pretty frustrating. I hate Twilight. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, uh, you know, I've said this a million times. Uh, no, not a million, because we're only on about 25 episodes. Um, <laughs> but I have said that, you know, I'm not a gatekeeper. People can like what they want. And I don't care, you know. If you like it, I just, I just wish they wouldn't have made vampires sparkle. No, they should explode in the sun. Yeah. No Twilight um, comments, Matthew. I have no opinion on Twilight. (laughs) It's, uh, I have a little sister who was who was obsessed with them, and that was enough for me to avoid it like the plague. Right. No. Uh, So you were never in Team Jake. Jake Wub. Jake. Fucking hell, I can't even say it. I, I'm going to say for the theme of the episode that I was team Edward because he has since made The Lighthouse and that's a good horror film. Yeah, that is very true. Right, let's... Um, so that was the first slice of bread in the horror sandwich. We're still going to keep making horror sandwiches, I think. <laughs> um, so that was the first slice of bread. So obviously the filling, as always, is the... The movie that we're going to be talking about, and I'm being coy about it for some reason, yet I've said St. Maud already, and that's the title of the episode, so I don't know why I'm doing that. So yeah, St. Maud 2019. Now, usually I will go in and say, why did you choose this? But actually, I chose this movie. And I want to say, I want to say why I chose it, but I think I'll wait till the end, if that's okay. I mean, it's my podcast, so I don't care. You're the boss. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that it actually was on the shortlist for my my first uh, appearance as well. Oh, was it? Oh, that's interesting. Um, Yeah. I went into this film with absolutely no clue what it was about. And um, when I told Jade what it was going to be, I was pretty clear about well, I wasn't clear about it, but I made sure that I didn't say anything to her about what it was about. I had no idea when I went into this film no. what it was going to be about. And I, I remember looking at the cover, well, not the cover, but obviously the, because I stream everything, but like the art before I went into it. And I think, I was like, oh, it's like, must be a cult movie or something like that. Um, but yeah, we, like uh, something else. I, I watch, uh, so I watch a lot of films at the cinema with my, uh, my horror, uh, my unlimited card. And my- uh, so we see a lot of trailers and we saw this one uh, advertised sort of around the start of 2020. Yeah. And uh, then obviously things happened in, in the world and, uh, you know, it, it just sort of disappeared. Like we couldn't yeah. find any trace of it anywhere. And then there was that sort of brief month and a half uh, where, you know, they, they started opening up the cinemas and, and Tenet came out. And they they snuck this this in, and my local cinema actually closed early, earlier than the other chains. You know, once the cases started going back up, so me and the other half were desperate to see this. So we went and drove like twenty five miles out of our way just to go see it. Oh wow! <laughs> and, That's dedication. Uh, That's dedication to a movie. 
was it worth it uh well i would say it was creative psychopath or shit but i, I don't know anymore there's a third option and there is a third <laughs> there is a third option we're, we, we're going to get there and i'll explain the third option later on as to why i've decided that it's required the thing is i think i'm not sure if this would have had the same effect on me at the cinema because I don't know there's something about it that's very close <laughs> you know and i feel like watching it on a smaller screen helps i might be talking absolute ass but um yeah also i find that at the cinema i don't get quite as lost in films as i would watching at home i don't know why i'm, I'm completely the other way around there really i think it's because i find cinemas really uncomfortable oh we went to a very nice one i'd recline the seats and everything yeah, I mean, we have an everyman cinema, which he's got sofa. I want a cinema like that. What? <laughs> yeah, no. Our one's got sofas and table service. Go in, order a burger, and you go sit in your seat and they bring it to you. Beautiful. I feel like I'm missing out here on a good experience. The, thing, the only thing about the everyman, which um, I vaguely don't like, is they often have someone come out at the start of the movie that you sit through the trailers and then they close the curtains again and this person and a person comes out and goes right you're about to watch blah 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 <laughs> you're about to watch this... 1975 movie jaws yeah i know i paid for it it's okay he forgot what you were watching <laughs> what and, and do they not do anything else they're not just like turn your phones off or anything like that well there's a bit of that and the you know like it's like you know there'll be a marvel movie and they'll be like oh make sure you stay for the post credits yeah thank you <laughs> Ain't new to this sunshine. Sling your rock. Start the movie. There might be some beginners in the in the crowd, you know. Cinemas wind me up anyway. I paid more to get in than it would cost me to buy the film, and yet I have to sit through <laughs> 25 minutes of adverts. You know. At least I've got podcasts to listen to now, so I'll just take my phones and listen to podcasts before the <laughs> I don't I don't need the latest car. See, I just turn up like 20 minutes late and then you miss all that. Oh. Yeah, once uh, we, we got into a habit of that and then once we turned up and the, the film didn't have any trailers or adverts and we turned 20 minutes into the film. <laughs> I have no context for what's going on here. What do you mean? It's James Bond. Yeah. Right, okay. So, uh, look, I know I said it was all right for banter, but let's get on with it. Um, right, so this film was written and directed by Rose Glass. Um, who is a delight. I've listened to a couple of podcasts with Rose with Rose Glass in. Forwarded one to you as well, Matthew. So she's um at, she doesn't give herself enough credit, that's for sure. Um the amount of time she seems to think that what she did was an accident is like, I don't think you did. I think you you really <laughs> you really brought your vision to life here and you just don't want to take any credit for it. I mean she I was think talking, you've got to be pretty skilled to yeah. have accidents like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, the harder you work, the luckier you get, sort of thing. I think partly because what I listened to, she was talking to Edgar Wright, and obviously there was probably a little bit of um, maybe starstruck and she didn't want to, like, big herself up or whatever. But well, maybe not. I might be talking at me, but... Anyway, this uh, film stars Mor... I might be getting this wrong, but Morfid Clark as Maud and Jennifer Ely as Amanda... And really, those are the two characters. Nobody else particularly stands out. There are other people in it, but... They're not important. 
I've got this as a box office at 1.4 million, which, like Matthew said, it came out around COVID. Obviously, it didn't get a big box office, but it was picked up by, I was going to say Shudder, that's not right. It was, um, it has been on Prime. It's obviously, it's obviously had a big following because a lot of people have seen it, or, or so it would seem, and it's got a reputation. Yeah, I think A24 distributed it. So, I mean, that's, I think that's what happened. Yeah. Normally a good sign for uh, a certain uh, breed of cinema go, which I am definitely one. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I think uh, A24 films are, are really good. Um, in fact, since you were last on, I watched Midsommar. Um, and I think Jade's seen that too, because I love that film. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's the hat trick. Mm. So, Anyway, let, let's move into the plot. So we open up on a, a bloody body, a bloody, bloody body, <laughs> bloody. <laughs> a, obviously a bloody body. And uh, there's a nurse in the corner of the room. She looks like she's in trauma. And she also, she then looks up to the ceiling and sees a cockroach on the ceiling. Then we fade, fade to black and we get just a big St. Maud. Um, just in case you didn't know what you're watching. Uh, they didn't have your block at the cinema, did they? No. <laughs> we had a... It looks like we see something gross and bubbling and popping, but guess what? It's only soup. <sighs> it does look gross, though, doesn't it? It does look awful. What is this? Oh, soup. Uh, we see that Maud is living in a tiny bedsit. She's packed up, though. Um, she says some prayers. Now, the prayers that we hear are all sort of as voiceover. And I got to say that Maud's voice is really so engaging. As soon as she starts talking, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but her voice just drags you in. Um, yeah, I agree. And you're just caught straight away by the character. It's very good acting, if that's, if that's what it is. Dear God. Watch over me as I embark on this next posting. Think I'll have to get up at about six tomorrow. The pain in my stomach persists and is now further hampered by menstruation. I have taken two ibuprofen and milk of magnesia. Give me my impatience, but I hope you will reveal your plan for me soon. I can't shake the feeling that you must have saved me for something greater than this. Oh, it's in Scarborough. Set in Yorkshire there, Matthew, see? Good set. Yeah. Um, Nothing this horrible could happen in Lancashire. No. No. There's no God in Lancashire. We have no soup. <laughs> There's no God in Lancashire. <laughs> no God and no soup. Uh, that's not fair. Sorry to anyone who lives in Lancashire. I'm sure you've got soup. Uh, it's not God. Uh, yes, I'm sure they've got God too. God must have made something. Maybe probably just back back end of Saturday night before his day of rest. Oh, Lancashire. Apologies. Apologies again. <laughs> On behalf of my county, we accept. Thank you, thank you. It's it's just harmless banter between the roses. Yeah, just remember who won the actual war. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery? He wishes. 
Uh, let's see. So uh, she arrives at a big house. Uh, it turns out she's a living nurse and uh, she swaps places with another nurse. They have a little exchange about what the person living in the house is and the response is, she's a bit of a cunt. Um, just, uh, just on the way up to the house. And yeah. When she's walking up the staircase. Do you not feel that there was a bit of a uh, sort of real monster vibe, sort of Dracula yeah, I, I got that exactly. Frankenstein sort of uh, <laughs> castle on the hill sort of uh, feeling. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's obviously shot that way. It's this house in the middle of nowhere, and like you say, it's up these steps. Well, it's not an elevator. Up the steps, and yeah, like you say, it's um not quite, not quite Amityville malevolent, but you know, it's a nasty looking house. Well, let's see, where was I? Oh, a bit of a cunt. Um, so she, she goes in, she arranges her bedroom and places crucifix on the wall. Lovely. Now we meet the person who lives in the house, who's Amanda Cole, who's got, um, lymphoma of the spine. Turns out she's 49 years old. She, dancer, choreographer, and minor celebrity. Maud claims that she's got no time for creatives. The joke there, isn't it? My notes say bath cancer, and I'm not really quite sure what that means. She obviously gives. No, you do see her bathing with the. She just you know. She, I know she gives her a bath, but I don't know why I've just gone bath cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that obviously she gives her a bath, but the thing about the bath scenes that I that I vape, that I not enjoy, but those are the scenes where Amanda as a character is most vulnerable because she's not wearing a yeah. protective headscarf, and you see her sort of just being this patient in that way yeah that's uh, the, the cancer's doing its thing isn't it in those, it's, those scenes yeah yeah it's uh good i think as well that the, the build-up so far as well it's also done a really good job of setting up just sort of how lonely uh mode is yes like there's, yeah there's so many like, i always thought when, when i watched the first time that it did feel feel quite slow and sort of uh, your tension and dread as the film's going on. But I watched it last night and there are so many scenes that are just that move at a clip. You know, it yeah, cuts yeah. from one to another very frequently and yet it still feels slow and not much happening. It's sort of settling into that. And I think that's that kind of emphasises that loneliness that, that's there. It kind of gives you a sense of that her life is like, Quite, she's quite, you know what I mean? Like, not much going on, really. Yeah, and it's like she's doing so much, but nothing, and no one's there. Yeah, and you get that, like you say, you get that straight away. The bed sit that she lives in is just, again, the way that it's shot and the size of it, you, you get that feeling of loneliness just straight from the beginning. And I think if there's one thing that this movie has, it's like you say, a sense of loneliness. Um, I want to get into a lot of that at the end when I yeah. grew some of this. Um, so let's see. Amanda noticed that, it, that um, Maud is wearing a religious necklace and her preferred saint is Mary Magdalene. I thought at this point I'd dip off and see if I could find if there was a reason that it was Mary Magdalene, but... Um, I couldn't find anything about her other than that she's sort of counted as being the disciple of the disciples. 
And I don't know if that's supposed to be relevant or not, but um... I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll bring my Catholic school education in for this then. All right. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, but they do don't have listen got... to the, the Da Vinci Code because that <laughs> was garbage. But yeah, Mary Magdalene was basically a prostitute who hmm. uh, was taken in by Jesus and sort of, uh, you know, in, in that sphere of influence alongside the, the uh, apostles. So I, I took that as, uh, you know, a recent conversion, which Maud says she is a little bit mm. later. Uh, and also that uh, repentance from, you know, uh, a sin and, you know, what's considered in the church a pretty horrific sin. Uh, oh, yeah. All right, yeah, well, there you go. There is lovely which, symbolism. So, we're getting that, that first scene of the body. Hmm. Hey, I, 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 my GCSE B&RE is paying off. So, and <laughs> turns out there is a god in Lancashire. <laughs> Yeah, Mrs. Thompson, if you're listening to this. At I least you learned about him. <laughs> uh, him? Oh. It was always him. It was Catholic school. Yeah. Let's see. Um, she Amanda exclaims that Maud is prettier than the last one. I put in shots and sounds, but that that makes sense to me because basically the whole film is beautiful shots and sound used fantastically. I've written down in some places where it really stands out. Maud is sort of snooping around. She finds a lot of memorabilia for Amanda. At this point, some bloke comes over and <laughs> some bloke. It pretty much is just some bloke, wasn't it? Some bloke comes over. Yeah. And uh, Maud goes out. Um, little... Yeah, I think the uh, there was another pretty big point in that, that bit where she's snooping around the books in the, uh, another theme sort of reveals itself, I think, in, in that bit there in that uh, all of the books that Amanda had written all feature sort of the body and anatomy. And sort of that's what has been taken away from her. You know, the cancer has yeah. confined her to a wheelchair. She can't bath herself. And, you know, she made a living from moving her body. And that sort of, uh, you know, dichotomy between body and soul is sort of, the, the the main uh sort of the main point of the first act of the film uh maybe the first, you know the first two acts maybe you know, in yeah the, no i'd say it's the first act yeah yeah in that there you know that's what's that's what's let it down and that's and sort of maud is trying to rescue a soul that would you know that we'll get to yeah um, let's see. So, yeah, she goes out. Um, at one point, we see her sitting in a cafe, which uh, is one of the moments of, like, extreme loneliness that you can see. She's sat on her own, and it seems like the chairs around her are, are empty as well. She's very um, lonely. Um, we do see that she plays with a lighter, and I'm, I wasn't quite sure what the relevance of that was. Well, I suppose it comes back later. Let's see. She goes back to the place, and Amanda is drunk, and the guy's kind of a prick, but leaves. We know that, uh, well, obviously Amanda is drunk, so she vomits. It's a relevant plot point. <laughs> Maud, obviously... Did we get to the bit in the cafe where she speaks to the homeless person as well? Well, I, I, I did write it. I have written it down, but I didn't, you know, despite the fact that he takes, sort of makes fun of her, I didn't... But I... I... I got that from the uh, from the script where she tells him 
don't waste your pain, which I think is pretty much what I would say is the, you know, the most important line of the film, really, from mm. the script. Does he? Like, does she say that to him? She she sort of mumbles it and, and legs it. I remember uh, that she says, you know, obviously God bless you, and um, yeah, no, yeah. I, think, I think you might be right. I think I think that's true. I I'm not smart. Enough yeah, she said that. <laughs> Excuse me, Miss. Can you spare some change, please? Thank you, love. Bit to, bit nippy out, isn't it? May God bless you and never waste your pain. What? Nothing. <laughs> God bless you too, sweetheart. Let's see. Um, Amanda asks uh, Maud to stay with her because obviously she's feeling a bit low and what have you. Um, oh, she asks her obviously about it. Um, she asks her about why she's a um, living nurse. She talks about having just done it for over a year and that she used to work at St. Afra's Hospital. Um, she asks her if she's seen a lot of left, a lot of death. And she asks, why did you leave? And Maud says, God in it. Uh, yeah, but a bit more. <laughs> a bit more. No, a bit better than that. No, that's pretty succinct. Pretty, pretty much, much, yeah. yeah. She says that when she prays, sometimes she hears a voice, and sometimes she feels God in me and around me. Um, she says she's very comforting. And actually, I think that Amanda in this particular instance is quite comforting to, to Maud. There's a character in Amanda. There's two different characters there. That There is one who I think really cares. And then there's another one who's being ravaged by cancer and sort of, you know, sick of her life. She calls her my little saviour, which is something that comes up later on. Um, there is a good shot with a staircase, which I really like. Um, Maud is going up to um, going up to her own bedroom, and on the way there, she has a godgasm. I'm glad that you said that because I looked up um, after I watched this film, and there was this thing I read about the director. She was saying that that she likes to call them godgasms. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't think of any other. Uh, I can't think of any other thing to say. Pretty perfect, isn't it? It sums it right up. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I think uh, as well when they show when it happens, and the face on on Maud just extends that fraction too much, and that oh, that was creepy. <laughs> mm. Yes. It's weird because yeah. at first when it started to happen, I didn't know what was going on. And then I was like, oh, okay. I'd say what a <laughs> mouth opens and her eyes open, sort of like it's like 10% too much. It's like very subtle, but it's creepy. It's, uh, and the camera you're right in the willies. But the camera, I think, helps with that as well because the yeah. way that the way that it goes up the stairs, and as I recall, as the godgasm comes on, the camera itself is more um Jagged's not the word, but it, it, it it's. I feel like a skew. I don't even think that it is, but it feels that way. But it could be the way that Maud moves as well. Like you say, there's something very creepy about it. It's just the way that it's filmed, and it comes with good sound as well, though. Let's see. So I think at this point, Maud decides that she's there for something more, and it's to save Amanda's soul. We see her have more orgasms. And a woman named Carol comes to visit and she turns out to be Amanda's lover. Let's see. Maud is obviously very protective over Amanda. I've written that Maud washes and then there's blood for some reason. Do you know why? 
Uh, I kind of go for the uh, sort of you know the the purging of of pain and yeah, sort of waste as yeah. uh, it, a path some, to purity. Some of these things are hard to pick up on, and I think we might have to again discuss some of that at the end. Let's see. Amanda asks Maud to come and join her, and Amanda and Maud pray together. Like I say, in this particular instance, Amanda's quite kind to her again. Uh, Did about... you sit, take that? Well, because I, I took it the opposite way. I thought she was quite mocking in this moment, and she was just. I felt that as well. I don't know. If... I like I say, I think. I think what it was, like I said before, I think there's two parts to Amanda. There's one part that that is a kind person and the other part who, you know, has had enough of the world because of what it's doing to her. But I thought in this particular instance, between the two of them, she was open. But, you know, I guess, you know, if you two saw it the other way, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> well, we, we, we could just be wrong as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's it's one. I think it's one of those films, though, isn't it? Where um, you could talk it all day. You can, you can, you can take it in so many different ways. I think. Well, I yeah. think there sort of. I read the film one way, which I'm sure you'll get to it in the end. And there seems to be from you know what I read that there seems to be like one other main reading of you know what the film's about. And I think this scene might just be a litmus test based on what we've said, because I think in one reading of it, yeah, uh, you know, what me and Jade have said would kind of fit into it and what you know you said, Mark, is would kind of fit into the other one. Yeah. So I interesting. I wonder if it's a difference in personalities. I wonder if it's a if it's a what is it? Optimistic, pessimistic view. Well, you're, you're a nice, trusting <laughs> person and we're cynical monsters. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm a bit of a prick, so I'm not totally sure where that's coming from. Um, anyway, so the, let's go. They both have god uh, godgasms. Uh, Amanda buys um, Maud a William Blake book, and inside it says "My Little Savior." Um, with it's got a lot of religious depictions in it. Now, I know I read somewhere that I think that in in a way the William Blake book is a bit of a dig at Maud. Um, but again, I didn't see that of it. But I think no, she says that that Blake believed that organized religion was a disruption of the true spiritual life. Yeah, which yeah. I, I guess can be considered a dig. Uh, also, I I kind of took from it that it gave Maud carte blanche to do whatever she wanted under the guise of God. Religious themes would play a prominent role throughout Blake's career namely a rejection of organised religion, which he claimed was an ugly distortion of a true spiritual life. Yes, yeah. Mm. Um, I think that it's not in this, but I do know that William Blake himself was um, sort of not plagued, but he had visions of God and the true God and stuff like that. So I don't know if that was part of it too. Um, so much depth in here. I hate it. There's a, a lot of his artworks very features very heavily in the film. Well, what I did notice is that he painted the Red Dragon, which I forgot about. He did, yeah. Which is obviously the Red Dragon picture that um, 
I've forgotten the name of the character, but the character gets obsessed with in the in the book Red Dragon, which is which is nice. I've always quite liked that picture, but I'm not a killer anyway. Um, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. What I will say here is, while she's reading the book and doing her um her voiceover thing while she's doing it, it's at this point that you notice that she's that she is Welsh. So she's got a very subtle Welsh accent. Mm-hmm. Um, it just pops out. <laughs> um, she's bloody Welsh. Um, sorry. Uh, let's see. So Maud spies on Amanda and Carol, which again was another creepy shot. The way that they do it, it's like. Mm, didn't like it. She looked really weird, didn't she? Through that door. Yeah, she does. She yeah, really it looked odd, really creepy. Know. Yeah, and it's that 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 thing again, isn't it, of the sins of the flesh? You know, while Maud's trying to save her soul, you know, and that that fight that they're having about it. It's it's, I, and I also think it goes two ways though, because I think that not just that, but I think there's a part of Maud that's turned Jealous. on by it too. Yeah, that's what Je- I thought, and a bit yeah. of jealousy. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, she's had no companionship either, has she, at this point? No, no. And the next next day, I think it is, um, she asks Carol to leave her, leave Amanda alone, because she needs to focus on, you know, like, getting better, and, well, at least, from Maud's point of view, focus on, you know, becoming a bit more religious. And she's obviously very protective over her. Her demeanor really changes. She goes from being this, what you might consider being pretty, she's quite sort of, I'd say, proper. Um, and then she sort of flicks into this thing where, you know, she's like, I don't care if you got, I wouldn't care if you had an eight inch dick. You know, it's just mm. a different, a different side of Maud. And it, you, you're not that far into the film, but it's far enough in that it, that, it, that it's jarring almost. It, it took me by surprise. And you said that. I want you to stop seeing Amanda. Huh? Just leave her alone. Does she tell you to go after no, me? No, I'm telling you. It's an important time for her right now. She's got big things to deal with and she needs to be focused. And I just don't think you can fit into that anymore. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure your patient's sex life's none of your business. I know she's giving you money. <laughs> Again, none of your fucking business. I'm trying to be respectful. I didn't swear at you or anything. I just, I just don't think it's a good idea. Please, to... respectful. If you don't like this, she fucks women. That's your problem. Listen, Carol, you could have an eight-inch cock for all I care, and I'd still be telling you this after the way you looked at her last night. Anyway, so obviously she asks her to do it. It's just silly, but don't tell her that I told her, you know. It's obviously shit that um, Amanda's becoming a bit of an obsession for Maud. Now... Here is a bit of the film that we're going to go into that I'm interested in everybody's opinion on. So we see Maud walking along and someone is shouting Katie at her. And she she's either ignoring it or it isn't her that they're after. But an, another person called Joy is obviously is actually talking to Katie. So then we suddenly get this point where we find out that Maud isn't Maud, that mm. she's Katie. And that, the first time that I saw it, it was a real, well, a, a what the fuck moment. Like, hang on a second, what the fuck is going on here? Um, which I'm curious to know if it took you guys by such a surprise or 
It uh, did with me, yeah. I was a bit confused about that part. Yeah, I think... When I first watched it. I think by this point in the film, you've kind of parked away that opening away in your head, haven't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. And it... You sort of forget about it, so... when Yeah, when there's a... That. It's when it's when she says about her being doing nursing, and then she says, "Do they know what happened?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember the yeah. first scene now." <laughs> oh yeah, that bit at the beginning with that bloody <laughs> body. Um, but yeah, it's um, Joy's an interesting character to a degree. It's this idea that you know, oh, it's nice to see you. Here's my number, despite the fact that Maud Katie at this point is being very <laughs> like, you know, fuck off. Yeah. Um, but then I also think that we sort of get back to Joy and why she really feels that way. Um, another oddly interesting scene where uh, Amanda is playing solitaire and she cheats. And there's something about Maud here where she's like, it's no fun if you cheat. Um, and there's like a flicker of anger almost about it. <laughs> She looked quite offended by it, didn't she? Very strange. <laughs> that she cheated, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Any any transgression can uh, lose uh, your soul. Uh, oh, really? Wait a second. Are you telling me that if I'll you go up, <laughs> if you get up to the pearly gates and say, "Look, Eric, I saw you playing Monopoly that one Christmas, hiding hundreds under the board." <laughs> well, I mean, you're you out, know, mate. As a, as a Catholic, all we were told when we were kids was, you know. Do whatever you want. As long as you confess to a priest, you're okay with God. Oh, oh that's all right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy life. <laughs> now, do you have to confess to cheating a board game? Uh, it, you it's been a while since... Uh, I mean, I, I think I last did it when I was like nine. And and it was a, that's a pretty heinous crime when you're that age, isn't it? So, yeah, I think you probably do. Well, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? First you're cheating on board games and then... Oh, you're doing what Maud does in the film. I don't know. Let's not get into what cheating Maud goes <laughs> So much for me trying to keep this to a tight hour. Um, you can have tight or you can have banter. You can't have both. <laughs> I want tight banter. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, oh, yeah. So um, Amanda gets a phone call and she's going, what do you mean? But we don't hear what she's saying. Uh, we get a sudden change in Amanda. She's a bit of a grump. And Maud burns herself, which is like penance. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the mm. penance, but also there's uh, some sects of, of Christianity that do uh, sort of self harm as sort of a way to. It's, it's like a punishment, isn't it? It, there's a couple of reasons there's punishment uh you know taking on punishment for the sin and also that uh sort of to become closer to god you have to suffer as god did and mm. sort of thing uh, i'm just going to be a very controversial take one say that if your religion is asking you to hurt yourself or others it's not a great religion try to find another one please I actually read about that because that explains that obviously I won't say this, but a lot of the other things that she does in the film that's related to that. Yeah, I think this is the first time that we really see it yeah. happen, don't we? And it it gets it gets so much worse. <laughs> oh, definitely. 
it's a bit of a controversial opinion that really i'm any, sorry yeah any religion, don't hurt yourself or other people any religion that hurt, makes you hurt yourself you're against i think so really put yourself out there <laughs> uh right so and then amanda is ignoring Maud, and she looked and then amanda's like right piss off to town and get some stuff uh, and she's having a party uh, and carol's back and it turns out it's amanda's happy birthday um and i don't know i said happy birthday like that sorry happy birthday um amanda embarrasses Maud. um and she sort of, she just gets sort of a sort of group bullying here where they make fun of her and put her in sort of a nurse's, I think it's called a wimple, but I might be wrong. Um, and they have a bit of fun it's, with her. Uh, I, I got it as the uh, sort of like a habit style. That's um, what it's like called, a, a yeah. habit, yeah. I don't know where I've got wimple from. I think that might be from Blackadder. <laughs> <laughs> I need a wimple. You should have gone. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sorry. Um, right. Let's see. Um, then she slaps Amanda around the chops. Uh, and then we see her basically having, she's back to the place that she works. They fire her, which is obvious, obviously, uh, but no charges. So then we see. Um, and there's the other bit as well, which is very, very important, where the person that's sacking her says, are, are you all right? It's that, 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 that first time that anyone's checked in on her. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see, the thing is, I picked up on that and didn't, and didn't write it, despite the fact that I'm, ex- I'm exactly with you. And I, I, watched it. <laughs> I watched it and I was, I was like, yeah, this is the first person who showed any, like, you know, sort of anything towards, towards her in terms of, I guess what you might consider a sort of individuality or kindness. And I get there was something in the fact that you don't see that person either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, Maud ends up back in her tiny bed sit again. Um, and we see the cockroach again. Why have I written God pain? Does she have a lot of pain? Yeah, she does. She ends up in a lot of pain, doesn't she? And yeah, she's having stomach problems, I believe. She's talking to God as like, you know, why have you sort of sort of forsaken me sort of thing god all i feel of you now is this pain annoying burning maybe it's ulcers or cancer or appendicitis if you're trying to teach me something i can't see what it is and she lets the house become a bit of a shit or doubting god uh, we go back to that burn, which looks awful. Then she starts picking at the fucking thing. Oh, I hated that scene. I really did. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was pretty gross. Stop picking at it. At this point, I think we, we see her walking about and we see a lot of upside down shots of Maud, which, um, again, I, I heard on the podcast was sort of a, an afterthought, but fucking hell does it work. Yeah, I kind of get this, that as the sort of that descent, you know, yes. into uh, an, an unstable mental condition. Yes. Uh, becomes more severe there. Because just after that, we basically see that Maud, um, what I say, but maybe it's Katie at this point has gone out on the town. Um, 
and she's all dolled up. And I've written in my notes, is this Katie now, which, you know, not even sure if it is. I don't know. I think this is more trying to be Katie. Because from what you can tell, a little bit of history is that, you know, I think Katie was a bit of a drinker and a bit of a partier and a bit of a, well, for want of a better word, a normal person. Yeah, I mean, you hear a lot of people say things like, you know, don't see you out much more and, and things like yeah. that. So. I think yeah. the other thing is she moves into the same uh, sort of the same patterns of behaviour that Amanda was showing as well. Right, yeah. She, she, yeah. Know, she goes into drink and sex and Mm. Yeah, you know, that's that's what Amanda was doing when she was, you know, in quotation marks, lost, like Maud said. Now Maud's lost herself. She's doing the same thing. Yeah. So she gives some, she gives a bloke a little wank, which is, you know, lots of. <laughs> but who, who hasn't given a bloke a wank in a club like that? <laughs> um, <laughs> me. Um, well, I mean, whatever. Matthew clearly has it wouldn't be a Saturday night without it no it wouldn't wouldn't be but hopefully the ones that you have don't come as quick as this guy Um, because I think he's a bit of a disappointment then he fucks off I'm out of here, see you later sorry in my notes I wrote wanky time (laughs) sorry that made me laugh made myself laugh She's sitting next to some other people and she starts copying what they're doing. Like she can't figure out how to fit in, which is very strange. I feel um, like at that, that moment, what she was trying to do is feel like she was part of their group. Yeah. I, I think she was, she was lonely. So she wanted to look like she was sort of, you know, not just by herself. Yeah. I guess for, for me, I got it as she lost any idea of what it was like to be anyone other than what she'd become. Mm. Um, so she was trying to copy them to try and like an alien fitting into society almost. Very strange. Yeah. Let's see. So she starts doing shots and then uh, we see her ringing Joy and she's like, come on, come out. Now, what I do want to say about this particular scene where she's sitting in the toilet, uh, not in the toilet, um, on the toilet, on the phone here, the camera is going insane. Um, I don't know if you noticed that while we were watching it, but the whole time in this, the camera is jerking, it's yeah. moving fast. It's, it's such a weirdly uncomfortable scene to watch. Kind of feels um, drunk, doesn't it? Yeah, it's so very odd. And, and for me, this is where I think you start seeing more sort of descent, you know, or at least... That's what I thought. Um, anyway, so I she feel go- like it really highlights her loneliness in this scene because she seemed really desperate just to have someone to be with her. Yes, yeah. yes, for sure. Definitely. Hey, uh, Joy, is, is Katie? Hey, yeah, well, I, I was just wondering if you want to um, go for that drink. You know, just have that chat and um, just hang out. I'd like to, to chat. Cool. Great, that's great. Well, you know, if I'm honest with you, I did think it was kind of weird when I saw you and you suggested it, just because you never seemed to like me that much. <laughs> no, 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 I, I didn't, I didn't. Don't be like that. Well, I'm just starting with um, some friends, but I think they're like 
heading off soon, but I'm gonna hang around a bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. In that case, um, my apologies. I'm pretty stupid, so uh, <laughs> bye. Let's see. So when she goes out in back into the pub, she sees a swirly pint. <laughs> no, well, it's like a whirlpool in a pint. Uh, and then more pints doing the same thing. I understand that was a practical effect, apparently. Not quite sure how they did it, but pretty good. Really, it looked incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. And then she ends up bumping into some dude. Um, and then, well, she, she goes back to his place and has a bit of sex with him. While she is, she has a weird vision about she's got her hand on his chest and his chest caves in and the guy looks dead but it's a it's a weird vision so she gets off and basically sort of really a horrible scene because she does sort of obviously decide that she she doesn't want to and she does say no to him but he and he just carries on he yeah. carries he carries on anyway it's uncomfortable to watch <laughs> yeah, i took from this from this scene as well that you can see how Feel like she is still very traumatized by what happened at the beginning of the film yes yeah yeah, yeah. i kind of got that this was the point where she she's broken yeah like it, that's you know she's uh she's tried to ingratiate herself with people she's tried to have connections and it's just collapsed and she you know the trauma has got too much and the loneliness has got too much and she's broken at this point yeah you're right yeah it's sad to watch um anyway the, the guys the guys are real prick to her after that as unfortunately some men are uh not me though i'm great <laughs> uh there's uh, another great shot here of um she's sort of a bed sit is based in an alley but they do a sideways shot and it's real claustrophobic not fun to watch at all i think this is where she is sort of beginning to crack but i said that before but she and you guys have just said that but you see that that she is beginning to crack i think she's cracked yeah. at this point yeah. yeah so she throws up there's lots of fireworks we see water running over the sink and we see the cockroach again and she floats off the ground. Mm. Now, I, as far as I understand the way, the way this, it, it was supposed to be her having a seizure, but obviously we see it from a, another point of view. And I know sort of, I don't know if there's this spoilers going into it later, but it, it, it's at this point where you do start questioning what's actually going on. Yeah, because um, from our point of view, she does float in the air, and I think at, we're kind of seeing it from her mind. If you make yeah. that makes sense, and at this point of view, uh, at this point, it does seem like Maud's got some peace. Mm. Um, it's uh, sort of faith renewed, and mm. I mean that the uh, sort of the, the sink overflowing is is a big one because baptism and yes. water you know cleanliness that you know she's moved on from the sin she was just experiencing and sort of she's come past it yeah uh, which way she's going will become clear <laughs> over the next bit but yeah. it's not quite yeah. as uh as pleasant as uh 
baptisms usually should be for people. No. <laughs> so she tidies up. She's found a, basically found a way back to God. She does this thing where she puts drawing pins in her shoes, um, which is... That's an, another punishment thing, that, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then you see her going, walking around on them. And oh. I don't know about you guys, but I could really feel that. I felt She's that, yeah. Yeah, I still around. can't put my feet down flat. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's still, still getting that. Funny, isn't it? Uh, it's amazing filmmaking, really. Uh, let's see. We see her looking through a telescope over at Amanda's house. And at this point, I think we see that her obsession with Amanda returns and that she, she realises that she knows she's got to save Amanda. Uh, and that she feels like that's her mission from God. It's a part of a mission from God. Uh, Blues Brothers. <laughs> uh, let's see. Maud searches out Amanda's new nurse. And the new nurse is nice as pie, as, as is as is Maud at this point. Uh, they have a discussion about being nurse, nurses. The woman, you know, she's obviously a very caring nurse, but she's, I think, as nurses must do, she's hit this point where she knows that she can't attach herself too much to the patient. So mm-hmm. she does have this thing where she says, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And for Maud, that's, I don't know, I guess not so good so she just fucks off that scene scared me because the whole time i was watching it i kept thinking that maud was going to hurt her yes yeah i i agree i agree and again excellent acting because you know maud's got this got this way of being like i said prim and proper and nice um and then when she has this when she just fucks off that whole personality changes yeah she just switches yeah um Cockroach is back uh, in the middle of the night and then God speaks to her in Welsh, no less. I read an interesting thing about that scene. Go on. Um, basically, when the God speaking to her in Welsh, that's actually the actress's voice and they've just... Yeah, that's right, yeah. ...changed the tone. And apparently Rose Glass wanted to do that to kind of make it seem like really the voice that she's hearing in her head is just herself rather than God. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was quite interesting. No, it's really, it's really interesting. I did, I think I did, did know that, but no, you're right. It's, it's really interesting. And I think further from that, it wasn't, originally she hadn't thought anything actually, I think about Welsh, um, but apparently she'd heard Morfid talking to her parents on the phone in Welsh. And she just thought that really suited it. So, I'm guessing originally the voice was going to be speaking in English, but still be uh, Maud. But um, because they switched it to Welsh, it's got this, well, yeah, like supernatural vibe to it. Apart from when it says mum and dad. And we and we Devoid, plentendot, man, dad. Rather to my dream team law, would in a rubeth moy. Or cover another minute with Carly Gufford. Yeah. <laughs> I think as well that the other thing is that there aren't, you know, that many Welsh speakers in the world, are there as well? So it kind of does feel otherworldly as, yeah. as a language for a lot of uh, a lot of places 
Yeah, this... Um, I haven't written too much about what God says to her, which I probably should have, but there's some... He's, God says to her, look, life is a game. You know, you've known that, uh, that up to this point, life is a game, um, basically. And I guess that is the sort of Christian, maybe Catholic belief, not that necessary life is a game, but, you know, you living your life to... Yeah, you kind of to, live by a set of rules in so preparation for the next. For heaven, yeah. There's like an end goal, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, the end goal is getting to heaven, isn't it? It's yeah. Not, not necessarily well i guess it is living life but it's living your life by a set of rules which is the game to get to where you're going um uh, very interesting um and she says how will i know what to do and uh god says you already know right. so uh let's say maud creates herself a little holy robe and she's blesses blesses herself a sink of water she gives herself a baptism we also see that she's got lots of chemicals in the house. Uh, specifically, specifically, a particular chemical that I definitely wrote down and I can't find. <laughs> um, that's annoying, isn't it? Should we do some more small talk? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've written it down, but I can't see what I've written. I, I, I've done because it looks like I've written electric bone. So. Acetone. acetone. We got there. Electric bone, acetone. That's how I remember it. Nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop <laughs> us at all. Um, Not even God. Bring it on, God. I think maybe maybe God could stop us. Probably. If you wanted to. If you want to stop us, do it now. Nope. All right. Cool. <laughs> Uh, and my laptop dies. <laughs> uh, damn it! Uh, let's see. So I might be wrong, but is Jim. this bit the where she is looking out the window at the light? Sort of the... Well, jo Joy shows up, and then she's looking right. at her. Yeah. I tell you what, right? I don't mind Joy, but she pisses me off because uh, who the hell walks into someone's house and then just sparks up? Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. when so many flammable chemicals around. Do you mind if I smoke? No, you do? Oh, well, I'm doing it anyway. So, Again, this is, uh, yeah, when Joy comes around, yes. is that the second time in the film where anyone's actually shown any sort of awareness that there's something wrong with Maud and mm. a desire to help? Yes, yeah. The, the, during this, Joy is talking, and we find we find out a little bit more about actually what happened to Katie as, as a nurse, which was that and giving like resuscitation to an older person, and apparently this does happen. Um, she pretty much caved the chest bone in, but which is which is what you know she sees into it when she's with yes, that man. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I I did do a first aid course with CPR, and the the bloke running it from the St John's ambulance basically said. It might happen. Do it anyway. So, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. really uh, anything that that if it were, were to happen, the person administering CPR should be held responsible for because it's it's a a risk that's worth taking, essentially. Mm. Yeah, because she's not in trouble for it, but obviously, from Katie's point of view and from anybody's point of view, she it feels like she hugely traumatic. Of course, it? Yeah. it would be hugely traumatic. Yeah. Um, the thing about this saying is, obviously, we find that out. Joy's there. She's nice. 
during this whole time, um, Maud does not speak, and the music starts building and building. Um, and like Jade was saying earlier, I really thought she was going to do something to her. Yeah, um, I did as well at this moment as well. But no, she doesn't. She's like, um, she gives her a little kiss and said, let the Lord bless, bless you. And Maud's nice as pie and she go, <laughs> basically goes, right, fuck off. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she basically opens the door and, and, and Joy's like, oh, okay. And then, so, <laughs> and then suddenly Joy goes, oh, actually, I do have to go. What, the f- what are you doing here? If you didn't have time for a visit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's sort of the uh, sort of that that last chance saloon, isn't it? And yeah. it's just been it's failed. Okay, it's, it's a very sad scene. Maud in her robe goes to Amanda's. Uh, outside of Amanda, she's praying, and at this point, while she's praying, the other nurse leaves. So we're supposed to believe that the prayer made the other nurse bagger off. Maud sort of sneaks into the house. Uh, she sees Amanda sleeping. And she puts her hand on her cheek. And Amanda at this point does apologize for being um, a horrible person. And of course, Maud says that the Lord forgives everything. Um, Amanda tells her the, the loneliest girl I've ever seen and that God isn't real. And she says, you felt him. And she goes, nope, I was faking it, bro. But not like that. Uh, and then she basically says, Nothing you do matters. And then we see a change in Amanda where mm. she becomes very devilish. Um, she goes, you know, at this point, it feels it's a, Amanda is obviously the devil in this. And it seems like she's been trying to force Maud away from God. Um, and the devil taunts her. And then Maud stabs Amanda. Um, that scene really shook me. Yeah, this is the scene that. Uh, shit me right up. Yeah, <laughs> I think is uh, for want of a better word. Uh, yeah, this the change in it is. I mean, up until this point, the film hasn't really been scary. Has it? It's been sort of creepy and a bit. bit yeah, but this, this is the scene that. This is where it explodes, isn't it? He isn't real. You must know that. No, you felt him too. Remember. We both did. No, honey. I didn't. That's not true. You have no idea how dull it is to be dying. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but it's just you and me here. Nothing you do matters. Well, that was easy. Take some responsibility for your actions. You came back here because you are alone. If you were a true believer, he would be enough. But it's clear now you're as weak as your faith. Uh, let's see. Um, 
Maud, we see Maud walking away. It's a, a, a shot. We don't really see, we don't actually know what Maud is doing. I can't tell whether she's screaming or she's elated. It's quite, it's quite tricky mm. to understand what's going on there. Um, we see her washing the blood away. And like the next day she's got angel wings. We see her, she's got bright the, angel wings. Also yeah. at these bits as well, she has one blue eye and one brown eye. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so I, I sort of got that as being in between heaven and earth. So it's like half done. Apparently she has that all the yeah, way Yeah, I read that as well, but that's the first time I actually noticed it. Mm. Yeah, she has that all the way through. I, 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 like I said, I listened to the director saying um, that that they that they made that choice from the beginning, but just like the way that it was shot often, it was so dark that you couldn't really tell. Um, but she does have that all the way through. Um, so let's see, where was I? And so she heads to the beach and we see there's a swirl in the sky. She starts singing, I saw the light. Um, and then she covers herself in acetone. Um, and at this point, we hear people in the background shouting, stop her, stop her, somebody stop her. And at this point, though, the world seems yeah. to stop. And Maud sets herself on fire. But as she's on fire, she doesn't actually become on fire. She's surrounded like a heavenly glory. And then people on the beach sink to their knees. And then we get the final shot of the film where we actually see Maud burning to death. I think it's interesting, that bit, because for me, it's almost like the angel part is what Maud is seeing in her head. And then the last scene is what is actually happening. Yes, yeah, that's exactly... um, well, she uh, it actually comes back as well to that William Blake book because uh, the right. whole shot is based on the Great Red Dragon and the woman clothed in sun, which is shown in the book ah. earlier, uh, which if uh, for listeners, Google it <laughs> and uh, you will see it. It's, uh, you know, it does make a lot of sense in that sort of that, that heavenly sort of heaven hell battle in it. Yeah. Right. Okay. It, uh, I can do my bit now like, because I wanted I saw, uh, so I watched this film and um, I was fine with it and to be quite honest with you I didn't get caught out with the bit that, that caught you up I was, I was a bit taken aback but I wasn't you know but the, the final shot of the film basically where we, we see Maud like I say, we see how, how how what is actually happening to her, you know this this poor girl dealing with obviously trauma and mental health, and you know she's led herself to believe that this is happening, but what's actually happening to her is just an awful thing. Yeah. And once I saw it, I knew I needed to speak to somebody about it, and I I think I talked to Matt. Uh, do you go by Matt or Matthew? Oh, whatever you want. Um, well, I sort of messaged Matthew straight away because it sat really badly with me. Um, like, there's very few times where I watch a film and it sits, it just sits with me for too long, and I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. That last shot, I really couldn't get it out of my head because it's there was a, there's a violence in it that you don't get from horror films, mm. if you know what I mean. It's... it's just really sad, isn't it? 
it's really sad and it's like um and I, i'm not i hate to compare it to this film and i don't i don't want you to think that i think they're anywhere in the same league but like when i watched the joker film um the descent into madness and that made me feel uncomfortable too and i think that's what made me uncomfortable about this film is because it's got this slow descent into madness yeah this this lonely girl who you know it's funny that you say that because i was having that same thought about the joker as well yeah it just and and i think the for for me the, the the saddest part of it was that it, it feels avoidable the whole time. Mm. You know, yeah. the, you just think if people, you know, were just around a bit more, if, uh, you know, if Joy didn't take no for an answer, she came out that night, it might have just turned it around. And, and that, that last shot is the realisation that, yeah, it's gone too far and these are the consequences. Yeah, it's, uh, I've never, I've genuinely never had a film sit with me like that before. And I I didn't just speak to you about it. I also messaged um, Paul from a different, from actually a different podcast, because he's a proper actual film critic. So I was like, I really, I really need someone to, I don't know, make me feel all right about it. Because I don't, uh, I I don't know, like I say I mean, I've had my own dealings with mental health, so like I can see, I often can feel what it's like to be on teetering between all right and not all right, mm-hmm. you know, and this sort of falling into, well, it's a descent into being not all right. It's not even, it's not even like I say teetering on it. It's this, um, you know, it's just such a, it's such a well-made movie and it makes you, makes you think and makes you feel and, uh, it's do you know that there's some films where you go that was a good film i'm not sure if i enjoyed it yeah yeah and this is this is one of them that i can't say whether i enjoyed it to um to courtney my partner you know i said i don't really know how i felt about that film yeah, yeah i think the thing is as well it's a really good film in ways but i think if you watch it without thinking about too much about you know what could be going on with in her brain it's not a very good film, if that makes sense. But then when you yeah, actually yeah. think more into it about the fact that this is actually about a very vulnerable, lonely girl who is clearly very traumatised and is struggling, that's when you realise it's... You, you think about it more. Yeah. I think you... you uh, sorry, just to take that again a bit further, it's like, it's, it's, not, it's not scary if it's not... Uh, you know, if, if that thought isn't considered. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of is a bad exorcist knockoff. You know, in the, oh, it's a bit religion, it's a bit scary and ghosts and spirits going on. But, you know, mental health is something that that affects a lot of people and and has very bad consequences for a lot of people. And, and it's terrifying because, it, you know, it can happen to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, I think, do you know what? I think that we've talked about it a lot over the over the movie and I don't, unless you've got anything that you really, really want to say about it, I think we'll keep cracking forward. I, I, um, I, I did actually have something, but we, we kind of all got on the same page on it. So it's, <laughs> we didn't get the chance, but there is a lot of school of thought as well, which I think, as you said, 
sort of makes the film not anywhere near as good in that that there is a battle for more with the devil rather than God and that her actions are being controlled by the devil, you know, in that mm. she's being manipulated mm. into committing sin and that the last shot is her body being committed to hell. Yeah. Um, I suppose there is something in that, but actually, do you know what? I think that some films are, are thinkers, but I don't think this one particularly is. I don't, uh, it's, it's, it's made so well that you don't, I don't feel like you come away from it going, you know, you know, despite the fact that it's got an effect, I don't think you come away from it going, oh, I wonder, I wonder what was actually happening. Cause I think it's all pretty mapped out for you. Yeah. That's, that's, that's um, what I thought as well. I think the other film, you know, the other sort of reading of it, it, it works and it fits, I think, but mm. I, I think it would be a good film rather than a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, unless uh, anything else, because I'll do the Facebook things. Um, no, I think I'm. I think I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Right. So uh, the Facebook um, Matthew put uh, not a different Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> but never seen it, so I might have to give it a watch. Do it, Matthew. Actually, do have to yeah. Give it a watch. Yeah. I would definitely recommend uh, it. <laughs> Alistair Stevens. Um, compelling throughout. I never knew what to expect, and that ending dark. Yeah, uh, true. bang on, true again. And Brian, uh, such a brilliant film about loneliness and faith. I found it rather immersive, compelling, and it felt quite intrusive on a personal level in parts. Also, yeah, I think you know those those comments are echoed. The Facebook group are wise. Apart from Matthew, <laughs> hasn't seen it yet. Watch it, Matthew. He's wise enough to add it to his yes. list. I'll admit, I hadn't seen it until. I was going to be doing this, so. No, and like I said, I was very, um, I was quite, I sort of made myself not tell you anything about it going in because I thought it really does, I, I think it does suit, it's one of those films that suits not knowing Yeah, you need to in. go on, go in it without having some kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. Right, so we're going to get onto the rating system now. I've changed it ever so slightly. I've added a third one. And the reason that I've done this is because listening to other podcasts that have star ratings and things like that, the way I see it, star ratings give you one thing. They either tell you it's bad, they tell you it's good, or they tell you it's worth a watch. So that's what we're doing here. So we've now got, it's either going to be shit, which is one end, creative psychopath, which is the top end, or in the middle, we're going to have, ooh, that was scary. <laughs> so um i mean i'll go first and um, it was a creative psychopath for me it was brilliant yeah for the full creative psychopath for me as well yeah i'm gonna agree i think if you'd asked me when i first sort of watched it without really thinking too much into it probably wouldn't have said that but then after really delving into what it's really about that's what then makes it for me so yeah. I think as, as well, you know, we're in, we're in esteemed company because I do remember that Mark Kermod said that this was the best film of the year. So, you know, he's oh, smarter right, than okay. me, so I'm willing to uh, <laughs> to go along with that. Everybody's smarter than me, so that's fine. Um, right, so um, let us get into the final piece of bread in the horror sandwich. Um, now, I had sent you some questions, Matthew. You had. But... Um, 
I think I would like us all to just dip into one of those questions, if that's okay. okay. And then I'll ask you another one later because I know, Jade, you should have this prepared. Um, so let's see. What horror situation do you think you could easily survive? Right. So uh, for audio listeners, I am a white man. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. get out. <laughs> uh, I think I would do very well in that film, uh, for better or worse. No, that, sorry, that, that's a cheat. Uh, I do actually have a real... Hey, go on. And uh, I'm going to say It Follows. Because I think that is a horror film at any point in time. It's the uh, the way to escape the monsters spelled out right in front of you. Yeah, um, that's Although I, I, I wouldn't want to do it, if it was a matter of life and death, I probably would get a prostitute and just get that <laughs> over and done with. Yeah, but it comes back to you if it kills the, the one thing. Yeah, but I, you know, I'd pick a busy prostitute so that she's passing it on a lot. It, it it's easy to get out of that. A busy one. I mean, that's what they did in the film. Busy movie, one. <laughs> Are you a busy prostitute? <laughs> I don't. I'm not interested if you're not busy. I would like to see like the last <laughs> month's back receipts. Yeah. Hmm. Well, fair enough. Uh, do you have one prepared? Jay? I do. I could survive the strangers because All right. I. You always like your doors. Because... You never home. Well, because. I am the type of person where if the door, if someone knocks on the door and I'm not expecting someone to be there and it's nighttime, I'd probably just hide somewhere. I wouldn't make it obvious that I was home. So that yeah. way they came, okay. if they came to my door, they'd never know I was there. So yeah, I think there's a lot of this question. You kind of have to put yourself into what bit of the horror film am I in? <laughs> yeah. Because I reckon, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, if there's like a rampaging serial killer, I, I don't fancy my chances. I'm not. But if it's, you know, creepy cabin in the wood, I'm not reading that book. I'm just leaving that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, my one is actually Evil Dead because um, if I found a book made of flesh, I wouldn't yeah. read it. Yeah, um, that's true. So there you go. And I've also, escaped Evil Dead very easily. Every horror movie ever where there's like a, a noise in a dark house, I just wouldn't go towards. I just leave. Should we investigate that? <laughs> no. Right. Okay. Um. Right. Okay. My laptop's being. It keeps giving me messages. So I'm going to wind this down before I lose the whole thing. Um. So right. So that was the final slice of bread in the horror sandwich. Uh, we will come back to that second question from Matthew later because he is going to be one of rolling co-hosts in time to come. Yes. Um, so uh, we've got that going on. I don't know what it's like going to be like for me to edit three different voices. I may have given myself far more work than I than I want, but we'll have to see. I think it was a really good episode. Um, I've enjoyed I should it. Have said, I should have said that at the end. Right. Thanks very much, everybody. For um, I, We didn't come up with the actual sandwich, so I'm not going to ruin it today. I'll put blood on it. There you go. That's gross. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening to the podcast today, everybody. Um, obviously, Facebook group, that's the important thing. I lost my actual account. So um, the proper Facebook group is Facebook is not is not Facebook is Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. So that's the one to join. Hopefully I will get my other account back and then we'll be fine. Uh, that's a lot of information. Uh, and you can follow me on all the other social medias as well. Instagram, 
whatever. If you want to join the Discord, you can do that too. And um, the last thing to say is bye. Stay spooky. Thanks for having me. Bye.